You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at $2, 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. Hooray! Delicious Volume 1, Life Tastes Good, is finally at Amazon United States. What is delicious, you ask? Imagine a land where all your favorite foods live as human girls. Here in charming a la carte, under the floating city of heavenly delight, we meet Ramen, a young cook trying to run a restaurant with her family of pastas as they end up in all sorts of wacky adventures and hijinks as these strong, eccentric characters pursue their dreams and passions. Delicious is a beautifully drawn comedy series, which is now finally available to buy in the United States. Click on the banner on one of us, order today, and join in the fun now, because Delicious Volume 2, Yum Yum Yum, is coming really soon. A perfect gift for your child, or those of you who are forever young at heart. One of us strongly recommends this one. Superhero new- movies never stop. Now we have the legend of Fable Man. What is that? Fable Man is here to save the day. <laughs> Fable Man and Fable Woman. Fable. <laughs> he can leap five fables in a single bound. <laughs> no, we are not talking about a superhero movie. We're talking about Steven Spielberg's latest, that time in his career that every really great director eventually comes to when they go, I think I'm going to make a movie about me. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of them lately. A I'm lot, not a lot of looking forward to the day that David Cronenberg does that. I am. Oh, yeah. Maybe so. <laughs> oh, man. They're going to bring these... 7X rating or something. No. <laughs> him They'll being, have to add new X's. Him being a Canadian, it'll just be like a very like gentle, sweet movie, like PG right. baby. So this is my Canadian bringing a little bit. all reports, he is a really gentle, sweet Yeah, he's like guy. a sweet man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the inter- or the... Uh, interview he gave about uh, Scorsese and him finally meeting. They're oh, both terrified of each other. Right. He was like, oh, you're the guy that makes like people like busting out of their guts. And it's like, oh. you're the guy who's killing like people in mafia. And they're <laughs> both like just geeks. And yeah. like, they're oh, like, oh, okay. you're just a nerd like me. And, yeah. and then you have Spielberg, who influenced probably more filmmakers from a generation than any single filmmaker. Never heard of him. Like, <laughs> he... Like, was definitely, for me, a gigantic deal. Like, growing up oh, yeah. in the 80s, we're like, oh, man, Spielberg was the king. Oh, you man. Know? He dominated the late 70s and most of the 80s. And, and in the 90s. And, and into the 90s. Yeah. And, and the 2000s and the, and the <laughs> Well, the thing is, for the- most of that time, Spielberg, for all of his gifts, for all of the money he made, he was never really quite given that same level of respect as other directors were. I mean, everybody knew he was great. But he was a commercial filmmaker. He's a populist filmmaker. He was a populist filmmaker. Yeah. He's like those guys like Hitchcock, who made movies that people went to see but never won awards. And I think in the past 30-something years, that I think people have reevaluated him. 
and are now treating him as the auteur he always was. But in case you doubted it, he just made a movie that said, look, I'm an auteur. Look, Ma, I can make films. It's it's kind of any other director. This would be self-indulgent. But goddamn, if anyone's deserved the right to make a movie yeah. about themselves yeah. as a genius, it's kind of Steven Spielberg. And I don't think it's self-congratulatory. Of no, no, not in all. that sense. I think it's really just, to some degree, it's a combination in this film, The Fablemans, of him exploring you know, what his love and obsession for film is about, how it changes you as a person and the way that it affects the way you just deal with the reality around you and the emotional situations, and then the actual emotional situation that was unfolding around him in his life as he didn't even realize that his parents' marriage was falling apart. <laughs> well, it's like, it's like, I've been making movies about this divorce for 40 yeah. years here's the divorce that would be like it's, it's very uh literal <laughs> that, that's pretty, pretty much it. yeah it, it's yeah. basically steven spielberg opening his fridge and showing you all the ingredients that have been going into all of his food all these years like this this is it these are the raw materials <laughs> from which I've made all my movies. Well, yeah. here to discuss this work of an auteur about his autorship is right marco Alan. And I'm Chris, and we're going to talk about the Fablemans. Here, stepping in for the world of Steven Spielberg is young Sam or Sammy Fableman, played by Gabriel LaBelle. Eventually, early on, there is a kid named Matteo Zorian Francis DeFord. Jeez. That's his goddamn name? That's his name. <laughs> he's a very person. cute kid, but a terrible name. Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm thinking he might come from uh, movie-making royalty from uh, with a name like is that. Is he a Ford? Uh, no, it says it, he De doesn't Ford. have a link. It's Francis DeFord, and I'm oh. like, come on. There's got to be, you know. There's a DeFord out there somewhere. somewhere. That but made Francis, some money. come on. Anyway, uh, uh, his dad is played by Paul Dano, uh, Bert Fableman, uh, based on Spielberg's actual dad, who we just found out was, in fact, the guy who invented the computer-controlled point-of-sale system cash register. So all you people out there who have ever worked in the service industry, you can hate on him. <laughs> it's because of you. You're the guy. But he plays a kind of a computer genius guy. Like, when, when, yeah. when, when uh, Sam is a little kid... He's, you know, got a good job, but it's not like top of the line job. They even talk about how, like, oh, IBM is the dream job if you really want to do computers. It's because, like, no one fucking knows what to do with a computer or yeah, technology it, yet. And he's, like, ahead of that. Before. He's, like, yeah, it's right. in the 50s right, yeah. at that point. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, only it's governments so, buy computers in the 50s <laughs> on college campuses. His wife is played by Michelle Williams uh, uh, as Mitzi Fableman. Uh, who is a very skilled pianist, but chose and made the decision in her life to not really pursue it. Yeah. She's more of a mother to the multiple children in the household and, uh, and a housewife, really. But you can tell right off the bat that something weird is going on with her. And Bert's best friend, who's referred to by all the children as, as an uncle, uh, Uncle Benny, played by Seth Rogen, who is there literally all the time <laughs> he's yeah. just never not around and yeah as an audience member you very quickly are like what is these looks going on between him and and uh michelle williams here well the joking and how benny translates basically what paul dano is saying when he's trying to explain like what he does and what he's working on and Benny just like dumbs it down for the layman's and then michelle williams just like swooning over anything he says and like, it's it's funny when you kind of realize what's happening in the well, 
we all got it pretty damn quickly. Yeah, you can't. They want you to get it. Yeah. yeah. But even having that realization and you seeing the realization scene for some of these characters about what's actually going on, it's still like extremely powerful. Yeah, I think so. I, I do think that for the first half of this relatively long film that it was a little rote. I'm like, here's an incredibly well-made, but we've seen stuff just like this before, Bildungsroman about a young artist. And I'm like, yeah, it's very well-made, but you're not showing me anything new here. It really isn't, I felt, till like the third act when all the themes start collapsing in on themselves in exactly where they're supposed to be and you sort of seeing everything as a bigger picture and, and to a lesser extent we're be reflecting more on who is this this kid is going to grow up to be that's sort of interesting you say that because to me it's in the, that starts to work well it's funny like i uh, the second half becomes a little more exciting there's a little more chances being taken i think and it's where less things work completely hmm. but that's like fine because like you said the first half is like very very well made it's like fine like tuned to like a t everything is like in its place and it really 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 rides and the second half i think there's a little more clunkiness to it but i think this where a little especially in the way we think about spielberg a little more chances are taken storytelling wise and just it's 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 almost on theme it's where like the family life and stuff starts to fall apart you get a little hectic and the movie starts to feel that way and i found it being a little clunky but never to the point where it was like this is falling off the rails. It's going off the rails. There's always mm. stuff to get it back on it track. It more starts speeding up in the second half. Yes. Like, we've got more stuff to cover. Oh, shit, look what time it is. Yeah. A lot of, <laughs> yeah. Lot of stuff going on. A lot I of mean, characters, too. And as we find out that, you know, the family moved a lot on account of the father. And that, of course, you know, up every time you uproot a family, that creates problems. And And every time they move to a different state, it feels like a different act. So, like, the moving from one state to another signals a shift in the movie, and boy, at a four-act movie, a four. this is basically a four-act movie. I know you call that last act an epilogue, but it's too long to be an epilogue. There's an epilogue on top of that fourth act, and depending on how much you love Spielberg, I mean, you're probably going to love this, but it does drag a little bit. Uh, I'm with Alan on this one. That's what, yeah, and... and- and not to get ahead to like like our my complete thoughts on the film, but that dragging doesn't really hurt the things I do love about the movie. Like there's things I really really love about it, and it's almost it's weird to be like I sort of like that it gets a little clunky. It's weird to say that because it's just like it's rare for that for me personally in Spielberg films they always feel like they're complete packages, mm-hmm. and if like you're in with it from the beginning, you're gonna ride through the end. And this is the first one like oh like I felt like some bumps in this like. That's and so that, interesting. I hadn't experienced you guys that felt with bumps about it. Like I'm trying to figure out like what felt so clunky about the. Are you talking about like the storytelling and like some of the chances he's taken with like visually what he's talking or what he's uh, trying to show? Never visually. It's more in like in the the writing and the character writing characters and themes that are introduced. Some of those scenes like there's a classic like bullying aspect that comes in the high school, uh-huh. and then there's like a love interest that comes to high school, and those are like introduced and. Those scenes with those entries kind of happen haphazardly, and they don't ride as smooth as the stuff with the family, especially in the first. I, I don't know, like the, every element. I think it's very purposeful, like why he introduces these new characters and like what the payoffs end up being, like the whole bullying stuff and what ends up happening towards the, I guess let's say the climax. Uh, I think that's like it. it oh, it's it, it builds to his character even more no, so, and no question, I feel no. No question about that. Like, yeah. where it ends up and how those things play out are, like, masterful. It's, like, literally, I'm talking about, like, the writing in the scenes and some of those scenes just 
something about them is just like off to me. And the for bullies for show up, it feels like this is a different movie. Now the way it plays out, mm. the way it plays out, and like how that helps this character grow. And then in the end, I'm not, we don't want to get into spoiler territory. I think it's, it is beautiful and it really, really works because it all comes back to his like obsession and use of film to convey his like feelings and emotions towards right, right. people, how he sees life. Um, so all that really plays out nicely, but there's this like some, I don't, I can't quite put my finger on it. You know, I just saw the movie, but I know like while I was watching, I was like, why isn't the scene working as well? Because it's self-indulgent. I, it I mean, all of us every once in a while feel a twinge of nostalgia. We pull out our old photos. We listen to songs we used to love back in the day. Few of us have the resources of a Steven Spielberg to recreate these moments. And it's so full of tactile detail that you know could only come from someone who is reliving their own personal experience. I don't blame him for going, you know what? I'm going to have this other shot of my mom. I'm going to have this other shot of this, this thing my sisters did that made me laugh or this moment I had with my dad because these are important to him. Yeah. I can't, it's hard for me to, I'm with Alan in that they feel kind of clunky. And as I was telling you earlier, I feel like we get a little bit of both Steven Spielberg's. We get that younger, earnest, you know, overly sentimental, almost maudlin kind of filmmaker who tells you exactly how to feel, who kind of telegraphs, you know, his themes. And then you also get those moments of the mature uh, Spielberg who could be a little bit tougher, a little more cerebral. Those are the moments I tended to respond to more and more. Uh, but he always ends up with a really loving payoff. It's really a good balance of those two elements of this filmmaker who's after f- almost 50 years in the business. I mean, you can definitely look at different stages of his career and go, here's where he changed a little bit. Right. Here's um, where you learn some new things. Uh, I mean, I don't disagree, of course, that it is very self-indulgent, but this isn't just some other, some guy. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. That's the thing is right. like, here's a guy who has earned the right to make this movie, certainly, and the audience who is going to respond to it because we know so much about him and his films and his way of looking at the world it becomes that much more important. I have a feeling someone who just doesn't care at all or hasn't wa- even watched a lot of Spielberg films probably isn't going to respond that strongly to this. Because sure. although this is not a film that's like, like we were joking, like they'd have a character come out. It's like, you got to treat life <laughs> like a shark, son. You gotta, <laughs> it's a duel and you got to get on that Sugarland Express all the way to your last crusade. And you got to make a list of, uh, ooh, wait, uh, wait, that one doesn't work. Oh, yeah. it doesn't work? Oh, okay. Oh, oh. Uh, you have to wait in the terminal? Yeah, I'm not... <laughs> They're not d- doing that. There's not that kind of a. There's like only one even faintly meta joke in the whole film, and which it works. is and really it, and funny. It pays yeah. off really well. But, I'd, I'd say there's two, and they both oh, pay off right. immensely well. They do, and you don't see either one of them coming, so right. which is nice. Um, and they both mean something. Yeah, like. There's a lot of moments that you're like, okay, this wouldn't work from another director, but it works because we know who you are. And it actually tells us something about how you, why you've made the decisions you have in your career. And yeah. I think that that's why ultimately that level of it, I don't think of that as any way to criticize that really. I want a completely honest biopic, even if he describes it as in one hand, he goes, it's semi-autobiographical. On the other hand, he's like, this is pretty much exactly what happened. Like yeah. he's saying about how he kept reading the script to his sisters because he wanted to make sure that what was in the movie was exactly what really happened. Yeah. We're like, which is it, Steve? <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> but that's how memory works. Yeah, no, agreed. I yeah. mean, with, with him specifically, he's only written like a few of the movies I think that this he's... this is his second ever... Screenwriting like third. 
because uh, I think he did. He wrote Close Encounters. Close Encounters. Uh, I think he also did. He wrote Amblin. He wrote, you know, I think he was one of the writers. E. The story on E.T. Suffice it to say, regardless of whether he's actually the guy banging away on the screenplay, and he did bring Tony Kushner in. Right, on right. This. And and Kushner has become his anyway. like, go-to yeah. writer. <laughs> Who had just described this as the easiest and most fun he's ever had writing a screenplay. <laughs> so that, that, like, <laughs> this one just was like, working with Spielberg on it was like, oh, this is like, well, he's you have making your, this so easy. You to have do. Your, he's like, oh, uh, you, if you're like, I wonder what this character feels like now. Yeah. Steve. How'd you feel? <laughs> yeah, right? Like, yeah, he's really. right there, yeah. I mean, you don't have to guess. And, and then you have Woody Allen turn to the camera, wouldn't it be great if life worked like that? <laughs> <laughs> you know nothing of my work. Uh, <laughs> it, it, um, it, it agreed. I, I do think that, you know, he has this great resource in someone like Tony Kushner to help him, you know, s- shape those things. If you think about so many great artists who have had horrible lives and have kind of had careers based on just mining all of the pain of their upbringing, this isn't that kind of show. Because what Spielberg really focuses on is, yes, there were bad times. Yeah, there were some rough moments and some hurt feelings. But you never doubt that he had a more or less good childhood. He had loving parents. There were problems at home. But this never feels like, oh, woe is me. It never goes into artifice drama. Yeah, yeah. 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 It it never feels like that. But, like, to... I think it's, like, sort of negating, like, the trauma that he went through of, like, trying to deal with, like, parents being divorced and also being Jewish and people being shitty to him about it at the same time. And him having then to make some of the greatest films of all time based on those ideas yeah. and like the things that he experienced is like, that's, that must've been so much to him that he ended up making one of the craziest big action packed movies, Jurassic park. And then Schindler's list the same year. I think it's interesting. Like a lot of the moments as he's resolving sort of things in his childhood, the traumatic moments the dealing with the bully, the, his parents divorce are j- exactly at the same time reflecting on his mind as a filmmaker. I mean, there's a scene where his family's having one of the most dramatic blowups that they have in the film. And he himself is horrified to realize that he is visualizing sitting there watching this. And at the same time, visualizing how he would shoot it. Yeah. If he was, a, if he was filming it, which is so crazy meta because we're he seeing shooting it. it. Yeah. And he's shooting it. Yeah. yeah. And like, that's so nuts to think about that. That little scene in that shot. And I think this is packed with really good moments like that, but it's not, it's long enough that <laughs> it's not just that over and over again. A lot of this is really, like I said, just kind of a, a faintly sweet little story with some really great performances in it that doesn't get overly dramatic, really. And it is just kind of a portrait of the man, but from the seed. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. I, I really appreciated that it steers away from that melodrama and that extra, because man- Spielberg can definitely manipulate awe and manipulate tears and do all that stuff and this movie to his like credit it steers away from doing that that overt like he could do it like yeah. so big and like broad yeah think like, about like michelle williams character he could have gone down so many avenues of just like let's crank it to 11 the exactly. schmaltz it, sh- and it shows like a little bit of like manicness and a little depression and yeah. all that stuff in there but it isn't like it, it, it's, it's very new it's not lit in that way where she has like the big scene where she like big face and cries yeah. and yeah. makes the audience feel so devastated. It's done like the way I guess he perceived it in real life. It's yeah. treated with a lot of respect. His like there's a lot of compassion for both 
yeah. his parents. And, and for this Uncle Benny character, yes. who could easily be the bad guy in yeah. this story. And there are moments you realize that it's his father's fault why the marriage isn't working. And other moments he goes, no, it's my mother's fault. And of course, it's because they're somewhat incompatible and they're human beings. They're flawed. Even Uncle Benny, uh, like I said could easily be the bad guy of this movie. And yet, maybe because so much time has passed, looking back, I think he thinks of all these people fondly. Yeah. And, you know, as an adult, can kind of better understand some of the struggles they were dealing with. Yeah, and this is obviously a film made by an older person looking back on their life because they don't cast someone in a villain role. Everyone here does have layers, and they are unique personalities. Uh I love the fact that but by the end, he's like, man, sometimes, even though you don't want it to, feelings just happen, you know, and there's nobody's bad. It just it just happens. And like, shit, that sucks. But you move on and realize, hey, we're all only human. And yeah. it's also Spielberg recognizing that, you know, he has so much of both of his parents in him. You know, at some point, totally. somebody tells him, oh, you're just like your mom, you know, who's this artsy, restless person who's willing to sort of blow up her family in order to have this career and you see that with a wonderful extended cameo performance from judd hirsch uh who i always love seeing that guy show up and kind of basically tells him like look if you want to be an artist you're just gonna have to turn your back on all this family shit and yeah you know and probably it'll suck but hey you can't not be an artist it's really really well drawn all of these characters and it's there is a moment in here that is almost like Spielberg's version of blow up where not only as he as a filmmaker is like capturing the world, but is starting to see new things in the world and examine the footage over and over and over. And you realize that he has that editor's eye of just looking for nuance and performance, but applying it to his poor parents and realizing, (laughs) Oh, there's something happening behind the lens that I wasn't aware of until I filmed it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, keep going to your final thoughts. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, you know, uh, would you hand me the envelope, please? And the Oscar goes to... I mean, come on! This is... I this, I know, I know, I hear you. I know what you're saying. It should go to everything, everywhere, all at once. It should. But, boy, this is Oscar bait all over it. This is everybody giving Spielberg an applause. Hell, he's giving himself a pat on the back. Spoiler, he becomes Steven Spielberg. <laughs> so well, wait, it's this... about Steven Spielberg? <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, fuck me. You know, guess what? Fable Man and Spielberg, you know, Story Man and Story Mountain. Yeah. I mean, really, that's him being modest. I'm like, I'm not a Story Mountain. I'm a mere Story Man. No, you're fucking Spielberg. Uh, <laughs> look, this is a great movie. It is self indulgent. It does have moments where it goes too long, but so much here is beautiful and and wonderful. And like real life, it sometimes gets messy and sometimes goes off the rails, but it always manages to come back and always brings everything to a nice finish. Even if sometimes the setup is a little creaky, boy, he delivers in the end. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to give this 9 out of 10 disposable tablecloths. <laughs> <laughs> Alan? Um, yeah, I will, and I'm glad you brought up like the fable man. It's like, if you're ever, if you have a common criticism of Spielberg that his themes could be on the nose and he says out loud, <laughs> this movie is called The Fablemans. Yeah. <laughs> it is right there in the title. Like, if you're expecting something that's a less 
um, on the nose or a little more nuance going to this, like check the title before you're going in. You're getting a Spielberg movie about his growing up, and it's called The Fablemans. You know, welcome, welcome to the show. Um, I'm like we were talking about before. I'm a, I was born in '84, so when I was like 10 with videotapes in the house, it was like all fucking Spielberg essentially. E. Jurassic Park, man. Indiana Jones, Jurassic Park came out in '93. I remember like getting the video. Like I'm, I have Jaws tattooed on my arm for Christ's sake. So like. I'm kind of in the bag <laughs> for this. Like, West Side Story was like my favorite movie last year, maybe. I'm, I'm all in. So take it with a grain of salt. Um, I do, like I said, I, and with that, I had the criticism that some things feel a little clunky at times, but I, that almost excites me because it's something I don't get often from Spielberg. Everything's so perfect. And maybe it's because him reflecting on his life, there's stuff in here that he just had to like fit in or he can't quite take that one step back. To tell a cleaner story. Right. Um, which I kind of like adore. I love it. Like he like is this it's a really honest, earnest film. Um I just like, yeah, I, I loved it. So I'm like a nine out of ten as well. I didn't think of a thing to say, so I'll say nine out of ten homemade movies. There we go. <laughs> right? I like you guys. I mean definitely Alan growing up in or being born in nineteen eighty four where Spielberg always being around and it was a very uh Spielberg specifically his movies were very close to my heart and like very involved with my family like specifically like with Jaws that being my favorite movie and even like my mom being the first person one of the first people to ever see that movie because it did two screenings one in LA and one of all places Dallas Texas so this is off, to- off topic but I saw a freeze frame the other day from Jaws and you can clearly see a house in the background that has the Amity windows and they <laughs> oh, both yeah, take place and they That's both right. take place in the same town yeah. so you're like hey, hey. <laughs> But uh, get out. Well, you know, Amity, of course, means friendship. <laughs> just when you thought it was safe to go back into the house. There is a movie called The Amityville Shark. I'm yeah, just saying. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there is. Yeah. Uh, but with, uh, I, I don't I don't think we even, like, uh, talked enough about Michelle Williams. Oh, yeah. Oh, her yeah. performance in this oh, is Dano. Because that's inc- a no-brainer. It's yeah. Michelle Williams. It, it, well, you're Everything right. she's in, you're like, but you're like, should be frozen and, the like, fact preserved that She, she hasn't won an Academy Award yet, right? I don't know if she's won or not. I don't she think she certainly so. deserves to. Which is fucking insane yeah. uh, that she hasn't won one yet because she's incredible. And then this, it really does feel like, oh, she's acting the shit out of this. And to your point earlier, Alan, she's not going so super melodramatic or anything like that at all. There are moments where, like, there's this one shot of her having a realization and it just stays on her. And her facial expressions of that realization is Amazing. Yeah, well, she's giving this sort of artificial smile, this Mona Lisa smile. Well, that, that and but the, I know also the one she's being, she's about. watching a film that gives her a revelation, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then the closet, like that whole scene is amazing. Everyone in this is great. Paul Dano is also so sympathetic and sweet and encouraging, but at the same time, like he's trying to understand these things, and he's, I would say, doing a better job than most fathers would in like that situation. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but. I, I think it was the fact that Spielberg is finally doing this, and is like, I guess he's what late seventies now, uh, at this point, or however the whole he's almost he eighty, is. he's getting there, yeah, and and him talking about his life, which we've all seen his life for the past fifty years that he's been making movies, we've seen all of this, but now to finally see it like from his point of view as close as possible is, I think, revelatory. 
Uh, I loved this movie so much. So I'm going to give it, uh, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to give it 10 out of 10 really interesting horizons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I think this is everything that I kind of expected it to be. And I don't think that's, I went into it going, yeah, yeah. I don't mean to sound like that. It is in many ways for the, for, like I said, for the first half, kind of exactly the standard buildings, Roman coming of age story. And then it starts to do interesting stuff with it. That was it for me. I thought like, I like the way it's jumping more in the second half of it. Actually, that worked better for me. I felt they took overlong in the first half. I, I think if this movie has a problem, it's that it's a little longer than it needs to be. Not by a huge amount, maybe 20 minutes or so could have been cut, I think, but not so much that I was bored. I was never bored watching this. It's so beautifully shot. It's shot after shot, that Spielberg shot that he loves with the sun's coming in just right so it makes the top of people's hair glow, kind of, you know? Like, like that's the. That's, that's Janice Kaminsky's, or whatever his name is. Uh, I forget the DP. Uh, you're right. That's Janice yeah. Kaminsky. Yeah. Janice. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, this is. It's. It's thoughtful. It's melancholy for a lot of it. When it wants to be funny, it's actually very, very funny, uh, which I really appreciate. And it comes often in times when you really need it to be funny, yeah. you know, to break out of like a dramatic sequence. But yeah, um, I, I again feel like if Spielberg means nothing to you, this film probably won't have much of an effect. But it, you know, go watch Cinema Paradiso. That's the movie you're looking well, for. Also, if but, you're just like a bit, maybe if you're not a Spielberg person, yeah. But if you're like a big movie person, yeah. there's a lot of love for movies. It's like a lot I'm of sure. love letters to movies in this. So like yeah. that alone could get you. And there. it's interesting that it's also kind of instructive as to like, well, this is what we did back then when we wanted to make movies. This yeah. it was a very different time. We cut that shit by hand, brother, yeah. and taped it back together and poked holes in the film to make like a special effects. And and like uh, dug holes in the ground and st- uh, like uh fell on uh, planks of wood well, to they, do dust. I think they still do that. That. Oh, it's fucking amazing. I never I mean, thought about I that. I did that as I was a kid. We just never filmed it. <laughs> yeah, no, this is absolutely uh, sort of charming and perfect for what it is. Um, I don't know when I'll watch it again, though, honestly. Uh, it wasn't something that made me go, oh, I can't wait to rewatch this, but I'm really glad I saw it. I'm going to give it eight and a half out of ten really dead on perfect David Lynch appearances. Uh, <laughs> much has been said in the press about how David Lynch is in this somewhere, and I don't want to say exactly what he is playing in here. Cause that's half the fun is realizing what, Lynch. what his role is. But I really want to recut that scene, that whole scene, which is uniquely weirdly kind of David Lynchy anyway, in its I mean, way. How could it and not be? Just add that twin peaks music to it. The, da, 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 the detective. <laughs> 